This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise up uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, so hit follow and share this episode with your team. Now, let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle. This is the year of the leader. This is the Leading Second Podcast. Welcome back to season six of the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart. We are so excited and honored to have you in this space today. If you lead from the middle in any capacity in your church, Leading Second is for you. So welcome home. And hey, today we have a really unique conversation for you that I've been wanting to have for a long time. So excited to get there today. But first of all, today we're really excited about Leading Second Plus. Leading Second Plus is our digital home for online courses, uh, leadership content, leadership labs, live events. It is our way of resourcing you to resource your team. It's our way of building leaders uh, through digital content. It is available to leaders everywhere for a monthly subscription, as well as um, on a license program for churches that want to offer it to their entire team or use it in leadership settings. It's a space I'm really proud of, and I'm so excited that this month we have a new course out on God's preparation process that I believe is really going to help you and equip you. So head to leadingsecondplus.com. Check out the offerings there. The first seven days is always on us. We'd love to have you a part of our growing community uh, with that site. Okay, so for today's conversation, I am so excited to introduce to you a very special friend of mine, and his name is Dave Rich. Now, you may not know Dave. You probably don't. We have a lot of names and guests on the podcast here you might know. Um, I doubt you've heard from Dave, but you need to hear from Dave. Dave and his wife, Terry, are longtime members of my home church, Champion Center, and they're on our legacy giving team. Uh, they are trusted, valued members that are helping our church move forward through legacy giving as well as campus expansion. And the conversation I want to have today is about leading second through legacy giving. You know, in churches everywhere, there is a silent and powerful army that exists, uh, an army that hold up their pastor's arms and serve the house by way of funding the vision. And this is often an unseen and unsung area of the church, but it is vital and it is necessary. And today you're going to hear from a man who has been pivotal to that in my home church. Dave also has recently written a book called You Were Meant to Climb, Summit Your Dreams and Leave a Legacy. He has a brilliant testimony. He is a wonderful man with a lot of funny stories on how he got to where he got today. You wouldn't expect his journey. So without any further ado, here's my conversation today with my friend, Dave Rich. Dave, welcome to the Leading Second Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be here. No, it's our honor. It's It's our privilege. I am so looking forward to this conversation today. I've been looking forward to this one for weeks. So thanks for saying yes. Thanks for 
being here today. And hey, thank you for being such a pivotal part of our church. We're going to share your story throughout the episode here. But I just want you to know from the jump, I really respect you. And I respect you and Terry and your contribution in our church and all that you are. So just from the beginning, uh, know that we love you. And I'm excited for our tribe to hear from you today. So welcome. Glad you're here. And uh, I'm also joined with Pastor Nicole Moore. Hello. Our Tacoma campus uh, location pastor Mm -hmm. uh, from Champion Center, but also, I guess, Dave's campus pastor. Mm -hmm. So... We get to hear from. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah, we get. To, I need to get all the real stories today. Now, yeah. uh, we'll have some fun. But welcome, glad you're here. Thank you. It's good to be here. And uh, Dave, as we're jumping in today, we're talking about leading second through legacy giving. I have been so excited to help leaders make this connection between legacy giving, you know, significant financial giving in the kingdom, and leading second. This is a way that so many in the local church hold their pastor's arms up and move the vision forward, something so silent and so unseen and yet so strong, so needed in the body of Christ, and that is legacy giving. And I was just excited to have this conversation and make that link today, and you certainly have been absolutely... Uh, essential and pivotal uh, in our journey at Champion Center in that I'd love if you would just kick us off today, tell us a little bit about you and how in the world you found yourself in our church and a part of our legacy team. So I came out of San Jose, California, um, up here to Washington State, was here about a year um, and ended up getting saved and meeting uh, my wife, Terry, and we were in a church in Federal Way, and we were asked to leave because divorce was not a thing mm. at that church, which wow. brought us down here to uh, Champion Center. Um, and I was a new Christian at the time, and Terry was you know, walking, walking me through things, and tithing came up. And I was like, you know, I work way too hard for my money. <laughs> that, that's not an option for me. I'm not giving away. I don't care 1% of it. I'm not going to give away, give away, let alone 10%. Wow. And uh, she shared a scripture with me, uh, test me in this and see if I won't open the floodgates of heaven. Wow. Yeah. And so I've been an entrepreneurial person all my life. Um, and so we started a business called Mustard Seed. Mustard Seed Enterprises, and that business was collecting cardboard on my way home from my real job and recycling it and paying ties on that. Oh, my gosh. Test me in this and see if I won't throw away. So I got to get this straight. You're not paying ties on your day job, but you are on the cardboard God made the cardboard cut is what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he made the cut there because I was the still... The things campus pastors don't know about oh, the people that they yeah, serve, right, you know? Yeah. Right. That's yeah. why I said I was nervous about having this with you. Because yeah. You, you think you know everybody. That's everything. fun. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, test me in this. And so that was pretty simple. We'll find, it, find an income stream and begin a new business. And it was called Mustard Seed Enterprises. And out of that, our first, my first tithe, not ours, because Terry's paying her tithes on her money. Wow. Because she'd already told me, we will not be mixing money Mm. as long as you're not tithing. 
And wow. so um, we, she's, she's hard. She's, she's, she's hard when it comes to that stuff. You got some high standards. Yeah. very. Uh-huh. Well, when we first got married, she told me, you go backwards into that junk you came from and I will clean your clock. I believe that. Yeah. I, yeah. Terry would, I wouldn't want to get hit by Terry. No. Yeah. So uh, I started, my first tithe on that was $2 and 38 cents. Yeah. And it just continued to grow. And I'm watching this and it wasn't long and, I, you know, I'm paying my tithe and now me and Terry are mixing our money. And uh, she came from a worker background and I was self-employed background. So it was very difficult to draw her out of that, being mm-hmm. a worker bee and into mm-hmm. owning her own business and, and uh, understanding that you work half days when you own your own business, 12 to 12. Uh, 12 hour days, if you're yeah. lucky. Yeah. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and the rest is, you know, you've still got to find time to sleep and eat and all that. So uh, we grew that business to the point where, uh, fast forward, um, we have six LLCs that we run right now, and we're property managers of those six LLCs. Wow. And um, we get to do uh, what we do now for the church um, without having a day job. It's amazing. That's amazing. Today, you would be what I've heard Pastor Kevin referred to as like his first king. Now, that would be a a little bit of a take on the kings and priests concept that's been taught, you know, in in the church over the last, you know, several years. But first king, in other words, you, the last bit of time that you've been involved as a legacy giver, you've given Pastor Kevin incredible confidence in a way that others haven't. Not only through your your giving, but I think also just your your um, your countenance in it, your confidence in it. You have you have been so essential, I guess, to giving our pastor confidence. And that's what I am really excited about people making this link, because there are people listening to this or or church leaders who who lead people that would fall into this category who haven't made the connection yet that they may not be a pastor, you know, and have or have that title or or may not work on the church staff, yet they have a very real and meaningful way to hold their pastor's arms up and accelerate the vision. And that is through their giving. What was the day like when you made the link that you you could support and champion your pastor in that way? So We've been here at Champion Center for 27 years, so I've watched the good, bad, and ugly um, in pastors. And Champion Center is really all I know, and Pastor Kevin's all I know. And he, I, I heard him say from the pulpit one time that he was the biggest giver in what was mm. legacy offering. Mm. And in my mindset as a businessman, I know what I have to, the, the burdens that I'm shouldering yeah. to run a business and to have to take on a responsibility, to have to be the, the guy that's going and emptying the garbage. And that's not what giving is, but I'm just thinking, why, why is he the biggest why giver? Why is he doing right? that? Yeah. Why is he yeah. doing that when yeah. he's got enough burden that he's carrying? And so I remember the day I heard him say that I went up to him after <laughs> service <laughs> And I says, that will be the last time that you ever say that. I'm going to take you out of that position. Did security come follow you yeah. as you talked to him? <laughs> you know, I, I, I think 
They oh, did. I'm sure they did. Because <laughs> I remember somebody came coming up from, and Pastor say, Pastor Kevin saying some. It's okay. It's just a culture thing. <laughs> that's he funny. Knew you he, meant well. Yeah, you just triggered that. Yeah. That was a little, but uh-huh. telling that to him, I was sincere. <laughs> I, I and I was. It wasn't a joke to me. I was. It was serious stuff. Yeah. Wow. You are not going to get to say that again. Wow. Well, come to find out, he is. He is very competitive. Yeah. And I'm very competitive. And so that began a bantering for us back and forth every time. Legacy, I mean, That's to this amazing. day, <laughs> up until the month before Legacy, we start, we start texting and we just start, you know, going after it. Well, I got to know people in the church and I got to know people on staff and I got to know the people that actually know things about Pastor Kevin and Sheila. So I started one weekend kind of month ahead of time asking around where's pastor kevin at <laughs> so you want to know his giving i want to know him he, out so you could beat yeah. him is what so you're i could beat him yeah. uh-huh. and so i find out what it is and so i that's Dave, pretty sneaky Dave. yeah, it's, yeah. It, I, I'm, I don't think I'm, i could figure I, that yeah. out <laughs> i find out what it is and so dave yaden he's the guy that gives the totals up to the screen yeah running back and forth yeah. i give him a dollar bill and mm-hmm. I says, at the end of service, <laughs> after everything is done, you've put up the grand total. I want you to add this dollar bill to it. And he, we go through service and we're having a blast and a party and everything. And it's done. And Pastor Kevin has turned and looked at the screen and he's rejoicing. And it changes by a dollar right before his eyes. And he spins around and he points at me clear across the auditorium. <laughs> and he's like, that was you. Uh-huh. Yes, it was. That's amazing. That's that's amazing. Did you beat him? That's what I got to know. I beat him. I you beat did. him that year. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Because I knew what was given. I cheated. I knew yeah, what it was going right. to be. You were a worthy opponent, <laughs> I, I, Dave. You're... I, was, I uh-huh. was there. I was going to make sure that that happened that year. So here's, here's what I think is just amazing too about you is... You don't come in the package that everyone would think you would come in as one of the most significant givers in. What do you mean, Brandon? Like, what kind of package are we talking about? I mean, here? Dave's had security called on him. <laughs> you mean he's not in a three-piece when, when suit? When he's at a church <laughs> to speak at the church, you had that happen to you one time? Multiple times. <laughs> multiple times. You're the um, you're the new guy that no everyone's a little unsure of who who why you're here yeah. and they don't realize that you're there to actually speak at the church they think you might be there for other reasons yeah, so, um, yeah. and typically you know you're, <laughs> I'm walking into a legacy event oh yeah yeah, when, yeah. And, you're around and, money people is what money you're saying people, and yeah. you don't look and, like money people and I don't look like money people <laughs> and uh, I'm following a yeah. pastor into a venue. Uh-huh. And as as we're going in, <laughs> my flight had been delayed. We're running behind, and and the pastor's probably six or eight feet out in front of me, and and I come through the doors after him, and out of the corner of my eye, I catch this person stand up. Sure. And I'm aware of my surroundings because yeah. of coming from the life that I came from, uh-huh. and I'm like, I wonder what that's all about, and <laughs> and so I'm I'm walking and walking and going towards the back corner following the pastor about eight sure. steps behind. That's so funny. And all of a sudden the pastor turns around and he's cutting his throat, going, shaking his head. No, no, no. And I'm like, what is he? Is he talking to me? And I right. just keep walking and we sit down. 
um, come up, do our thing that night. It was so much fun. I get a gentleman come up to me afterwards. He puts his hands on my shoulders. He's like, bro, please don't be offended by this. But when you came in tonight, <laughs> mm -hmm. I thought you were a homeless person oh looking for free God. lunch. <laughs> and he told you this. Yeah, he told me that. And I'm wow. like, offended? Are you kidding me? I wear that like a badge of <laughs> honor. Thank you for telling me that. I was looking. I noticed you didn't have your socks and sandals on no, today. No, no yeah. sandals okay. today. They dressed okay. up for okay. ladies. Dressed up for this one. This is great. <laughs> this is great. I just, maybe that might give somebody a bit of permission. You, you know, Brandon, it, it's the church. It's, it really is. And it, there, there are so many unassuming people that are out there in the church that one are, uh, they're just, they're just waiting to be asked. That's great. Mm. And, and they're thinking, I'm not all put together. I, I'm not looking like that. Yeah. You know, those people on the platform, mm -hmm. but those people on the platform have a specific calling yeah. mm -hmm. that is, that is on their life, but we all have the same purpose. We all have a purpose of moving the gospel forward. When yep. Jesus left here, he gave us that mandate. That's right. And I, I believe that from the bottom of my heart, I am not Pastor Nicole. I'm not Pastor Nicole. I'm not a drummer. I'm not a singer. But when she's done at the end of a service and everything went well, and she knows she nailed this service, she walks out of there. That's her worship. Yep. Yes. Yep. That drummer that comes off of the stage, when he knows he's nailed that, that's his worship. When I get an opportunity to solve a problem financially mm. in a split moment, mm. um, youth camp this year, uh, last year youth camp, no, no, this year youth camp, um, I see off to a distance Pastor John talking with somebody and his countenance is falling the last day of youth camp. And I'm like, what's, and I, I went over and I'm like, I pull him out of the conversation. I'm like, what's going on? And he says, we don't have any pickups for baptism tonight. Nobody wants to use their pickups because something happened. One of them got hurt mm -hmm. last year. <clears throat> and I'm like, what do you want, Pastor John? He says, I want to pick up Dave. And I don't care how you get me there. I trust you. Wow. Just get me there. And so in my mind, we're five hours from baptisms. Mm -hmm. We're out in the middle of boonies. I take off because I know exactly what we need. And I know that it's in Tacoma. And I get down to Tacoma. Oh, wow. I get these two troughs picked up that I know will fit in the back of a pickup. They're black. They're going to blend in. I get them in there, get the water, get up there, get the water heated up. We have baptisms. That's awesome. Um, I nailed it that day. You, that you, was that my was some fine worship. worship. Yes. Wow. wow. I love the way that you phrase that. That our worship. I, Pastor Kevin, we had staff. Uh, we call it staff rally. Our time once a month, we gathered together at all of our locations, and he was teaching, and he was talking about the teams of leaders that it takes in order for us to do the things that we do, and he talked about how we have the same goal but different roles. 
And I think people misconstrue that so easily because we we admire a role that's different oh. than ours. You know, everybody wants to be the quarterback, so to speak. Sure. Nobody wants to be the lineman. Who wins the last time the lineman gets the interview at the end of the game, right? It's rare. But without a great lineman, you don't have right. a quarterback that can shine. And so yeah. having these different roles are, are critical. They're mission critical. And yet it's funny how we as human beings, yeah. we associate all these different like hierarchies of which role is more important. But at it. the end of the day, you're just saying, no, actually, Actually, doesn't matter what role you have; it's your worship. That's right, yeah. and that's pleasing Beautiful. and acceptable to God. One of my one of my uh, strengths is significance. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, that one can bite you. Yeah, mm-hmm. that one can bite you, especially if you're a businessman. True. Um, mm. And Pastor Sheila, I, I, when I found that out and I read about significance, I was horrified because I didn't <laughs> want to be that person. <laughs> and I remember Pastor Sheila sitting me down and talking to me about, Dave, the yeah. significance is okay as long as you're significant for the right purpose mm. Very and good. the right reason. Yeah. Very good. And the church is what that significant. You be significant for the church, you don't have to worry about the rest Very of good. it. So the focus on significance is less about you and more about what you're doing for yes. the kingdom. Yeah. That's yeah. great. That's well yeah. said. Mm-hmm. So back to the idea of you being the first king and you you um, were in the race, um, the giving. You did something pretty cool, though, one year at Legacy Getaway. Yep. You surprised Pastor Kevin with something I'd love for you to tell that story. So we're, when I sold off all of, uh, all of our hands on businesses and just became a property manager, pastor Kevin asked me, uh, what are you going to do? And I said, to be honest with you, that really scares me because since I was 12 years old, I had a job to go to Mm. on Monday morning. And I'm going to wake up this Monday morning and I'm not going to have a job to go to. And that scares me. And he says, don't you worry about that. I got something for you. <laughs> when you're done with selling off your last business, you come see me. And so um, I came and, and, and we talked and he asked me to take on um, the role of church expansion for our, for our campuses. Yeah. And I'm a builder. Uh, there's nothing better for a builder to stand inside of a brand new building and turn the water on for the very first time and hear it rush through those pipes and you've just brought life to that and you stick a business inside that and that business flourishes there that's the best feeling in Mm. the world um now i get to do that for god i'm Mm. thinking this is going to be so much fun and so um we started looking around at different properties he wanted to be in dupont and we're looking all over down there and i found a piece of property down there we went out one day driving around a team of us and, and I showed him this property and, and he says, Dave, you're not understanding. I want a building. I don't want to be a developer. I need a building in DuPont, something that we can pop up and get a church in. Mm. And, uh, he, so we quickly shift and I find, we find this building down there. Uh, we get it built out into a church that just flourishes down yep. there. In the meantime, I've still got my eye on this property because it's a very good location. Mm. And Arco AMPM had bought it at the time, um, and had an uh, and they had it under contract. They hadn't finished the sale of it, and the community ran them out and wanted no part of that gas station being in there, and so they lost that deal. While I'm following it it ends up in bankruptcy court. Mm. And so I talked to Terry and I says, um, 
I think we're supposed to buy that piece of property and uh, give it to the church. And Terry's like, what does that look like? And I said, well, I think we can, we've done very well buying property and dividing it and stuff. And I think we can buy that piece of property and divide off a chunk of it that we could sell off to recoup our, our costs of it and then be able to give the church the, the property they need to build the church. So we came to agreement on that. That's what we were going to do. Um, we went out, showed up in bankruptcy court. Uh, we put an offer in there. The judge looked at our offer and said he wasn't going to look at any other offers, that wow. this deal was done. And we got it. And so I called Dave Yaden. He's the only one that, that knew about it. And I says, hey, is, is pastor in town? And he's like, yeah, why? And I says, we got that property in DuPont because Dave knew what I was doing. And um, I said, I want to tell him. And he's like, dude, don't tell him. Don't tell him now. Wait till, <laughs> wait till Saturday night at Legacy. He's going to interview you anyway up there. He That's says, amazing. tell him then. And I'm like, oh, really, Dave? And I, I'm thinking, I don't know. And, and so we get up there and, and uh, the media team had had a map of the property and stuff. And, and we get all done and the pastor's looking at me. And he always knows when there's something in my mind, something going mm -hmm. on. He's like, Dave, mm -hmm. you got something else you want to say? And, and I said, well, pastor, I said, remember that piece of property in DuPont? And he says, yeah, yeah. He says, that's really a, would be a nice location for a church. I says, it's yours. And he said, what do you mean it's yours? And I says, we just bought it and we're, we're giving it to the church. And he, he was speechless. Mm -hmm. Now, I've never wow. seen Pastor mm -hmm. Kevin speechless. And he reached over, he grabbed me and he pulled me in. And he was like, I can't believe you just did that to me. And I said, no, it's Dave's fault. Dave's the one, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Dave's yeah. the one that told me to do that. That's amazing. That was it's, a really great moment for our yeah. church. Really. Yeah. Well, and I think, it, yeah, it inspired others. Mm -hmm. Yep. It may not be as, something as expansive as property, but you start to help everybody see what's in my hand. Yeah. I think too, though, you talk about legacy givers being a second chair leader. I think Dave showed us what that looked like. I think there's other people in the yeah. room who wonder, what does it mean to take my resource and my wealth? And you can, you can tithe it, you can donate it financially. Dave took a different route. He, he was creative in the way that he gave back to the church. He still took his resource in your legacy-minded giving, but you you actually by you put yourself out there. I mean, if it had yeah. gone through the church's entity, I, it makes me wonder what the judge would have said if it was a church that had showed up that day versus a businessman. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he went out and did something on behalf of the church that maybe, just maybe, the church would have had a much more difficult time doing for itself. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the beauty of yeah. us coming together and using and the resource and the tools that we have, you know. I, I think something you did instinctively there to that point is that you you effectively translated your pastor's vision. Yes. You, you saw what was in their heart, and you know you didn't just write a a, a check for a value. Yeah. You you actually unlocked how to move a specific part of the vision forward. You actually you, you I've heard you know Joseph in the Bible is one of the famous second chair leaders, if you want to call him that he never, he was never Pharaoh, you know, he never, never served in the first chair, so to speak. And actually what brought him to the second chair was his ability to translate Pharaoh's dreams and what, 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 what is this? And, 
if you can think about that as yep. second chair leaders, we're yep. dream translators where we hear the whispers of our pastor's heart and we go, I think I have a part I'm supposed to play in that. And we all do that. We do that on, on many, you did it with property, but we all do that in the second chair to some degree. And I'll bet you gave others permission to see it that way as well. Well, no doubt. I mean, I, I feel like, um, as, as leading in that in that role that I lead in, I'm constantly asking Pastor, if you could go somewhere else, where would you go? Yeah. You know, if if we yeah. put another yeah. church, where would you put that church? I'm not asking them that for a conversation. I'm asking them that to tuck that exactly. away in exactly. the back of my heart and in the back of my mind. So then, you know, I'm driving down the road with Terry and and the car's flipping a U-turn and she's like, time to get the camera out. And she said, what'd you see? Uh -huh. and, 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 you know, we're taking pictures of property and then we start running. It's what we do. It's what we get to do as a church member and as knowing the heart of our pastors. Well, it's, it's the privilege of proximity. So you, you have, you, it's a privilege to be in close proximity with your pastor. If God allows that, if God brings you to that place in your context, you have a privilege there because you get to hear the whispers. Yes. Yes. You get to hear the frustrations. I was just on a zoom call with Pastor Kevin yesterday, and I heard one, and it, it had been a little bit since I had really heard a frustrate. I heard one, and I thought, I think I might have a responsibility to do something about that. Yeah. And I, I'll never forget. Years ago, I heard him say something walking down the hall. That's all. Oh, this is a long time ago. Walking down the hall, and he just kind of whispered something like, "You know, I'd love to see, you know, whatever." <laughs> his assistant at the time, Tony, she was his, you know, legend assistant for what twenty years she was walking behind me and she leans over to me and she says you know you know he's asking you to do something about that like she just kind of whispered that in my ear and that, that always lodged you know in my mind that the privilege of proximity he mm, he so good he may not have been asking but he was asking and 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 or it was the the opportunity of hearing the cry of your pastor and being able to do something about it and i just think if you Stick around long enough in the second chair, you're going to find yourself in that place. So with that comes a responsibility yes. from you, though. Yes. And uh, I've heard pastors say this uh, about me, and I'm not blowing my own horn with this, but it's a true fact. Um, he says, this guy is unoffendable. Mm, yeah. I've tried to offend him <laughs> and couldn't offend him. <laughs> but that's over time of... of I can tell you uh, when I had to draw a line about that was we proximity around we we've been able to travel with them for the last ten or fifteen years. Right? Like, hey, you want to tag along? He said, "Like, let's go." So we were down in South Africa, and it was when we first started traveling with them, and we're walking through a mall, and everybody is just talking. Uh, you know, freely, and and I start talking to pastor freely, and I start sharing a story about something going on inside the church, and we go through this hallway, and Pastor Sheila keeps me on the other side of this hallway and spins me around and gets right up in my face, and she says, you will never, ever share things that go on inside our church with my husband again. He has people in place that take care of that. Now I had to choose that day. Do I get offended by this? Wow. Or, wow. 
or how do I handle this? And I, I mean, Pastor Nicole and Pastor Sheila are two people, you know, I'm not going to cross either one of them. And I looked at her <laughs> and said, yes, ma'am. And I never, ever, uh, unless, and there's been times he's asked me questions and I'm looking at him going, and I've been told not to ever do that again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so that's a very fine line. But I think all of us as, especially as business legacy, finances are so personal. Finances are personal. They're our babies. Yeah. They're, our, they're our children. We've worked hard to raise those finances. And we have to understand that when we let go of those finances, when we yeah. put those into the church, they're no longer ours. We're not responsible for them. Yeah. And no matter what happens, the offense, it can't come on us. Yeah. Because if the adversary could get us offended... He's got his feet up eating popcorn, saying yeah. another one. I just got another one out of that church. You know, you stick around your pastors long enough, you're going to see their humanity. Oh, come on. Bottom line. Yep. yep. And you're going to see the chinks in the armor, and your ability to handle that is really what determines if you can stay there. Don't get me wrong, Brandon. That was not a chink in her armor. She was educating me sure, as sure. a person inside the church. And and I, I didn't... I, I was... I was mortified that I didn't know that. I was like, wow. But you come from a different world. Yeah. You know, my husband's in the business world, not in the ministry world. And there, are, it's it's interesting to me because if I was to go into your world, I couldn't hang with the language and the vernacular and the conversation because I don't understand the protocols, the vocabulary, what yes. the do's and the don'ts. So it really was just a moment where she's just saying, hey, look, we love you. You're here, but don't do that yeah. because that's not going to be helpful. Yeah. What would have been helpful in business is it doesn't always translate in the in the ministry world. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the big question I guess I came to ask you today, I'm just going to ask you one, then we can land the plane. I have something I want you to share at the end, but why is being a legacy giver valuable in the life of a church? Like, What do you think it means to a pastor to have a legacy giver or an, an army of legacy givers come alongside them? It gives them permission to dream. It gives them permission to know that this that this call this purpose that they have in their heart can be fulfilled that they can continue to dream and continue to put out put plans out there and move the gospel forward um, without without a legacy team in your church it would be like having praise and worship without a singer mm in the morning or without a drum player. You have to have all those pieces together inside the church to make it happen. And, and I think when, when that legacy team forms inside the church and it begins to run alongside the pastor rather than the pastor leading it, I'm the biggest giver here. When that takes place and it moves forward from there, pastor, I, I feel like he, he can take a deep breath and say, mm. okay, they, they've got this. They've got this. They're moving this forward. They're, one, of the, one of the best legacy offering we ever had that will stand out in my mind forever was in 2008, financial crash. Everything went to crap. I remember day. that year. It was yeah. horrible. Yep. And he got up on stage three months before 
and he pulled out his his pledge yep. and ripped it up in yep. front of everybody and said, I want everybody to go home and do the exact same thing. Yep. We are not going to live under this oppression. Yep. And I'll never forget that. Con- context on that. In 2007, I think it was, we had launched into a building campaign. Yes. A financial camp, of course, not knowing what was coming. Yep. So we were entering into the crash everyone was experiencing, but under a multi-million dollar yep. building campaign, we had all just pledged at our at our you know highest levels. And then that was weighing on our church at that moment. Yep. Where, where, where are you telling that story? But I wonder if had he not known he had an army of legacy givers that were going to recoup mm-hmm. and they were going to come back stronger than ever, if he'd have been able to stand up there and tear, tear that up and give those instructions. Yep. I think that's freedom to a pastor that, that can Beautiful. just can operate in that manner. Well, it comes down to not being alone. I think, you know, when you were talked about early about the humanity of a leader, you know, if we were all really honest, we wonder, will anyone show up? Yeah. Sunday morning is not mandatory, especially here in the Northwest. <laughs> and as soon as the Seahawks play at 10 a.m., we're all like, right. oh, Jesus, help your people love the church more than they love the, the Seahawks this morning. You know, I mean, we all have we have those real moments of wondering if we're going to put this if we're going to if we're going to put the vision out there, will anyone grab a hold of it and will, will anyone support it? And in the in the deepest parts of who we are as leaders, that's always a wonder. So when you have like you said, an army of people that are saying, not only do we believe in your vision, but we're going to give ourselves financially to support this vision. It's a tremendous burden that's lifted off of him, and it does give permission to dream again. I have loved talking with you today, and I love your example even more. You wrote a book, by the way, which I'm really excited about. It's called You Were Meant to Climb. I'd love if you would just tell us about it briefly and why did you write that books. I think this is a book that could give pattern and permission to a lot of givers out there, but then a lot of those who just want to really leave a legacy. Yep. So I wrote this book um, to help help to let people know that as you're growing into this. It's a journey. It's 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 a journey in life, and it only gets better once you say yes to the tithing, like I did, and once you once you get yourself embedded into a church. I this is the only church I know. I didn't know that there was uh, that being in a church. If you got upset or offended by something, you just go to another church. I, I didn't know that was a thing, and it's still not a thing to We're me. Really sure. glad about that. Yeah, sure. it's it's still not a thing. So um, this is. That's the purpose I wrote this book to share the my journey in the church and how I grew up in the church and and what I feel the church means to me today um, after doing all that I've done. I hate people that tell you the end of a movie because <laughs> it's it's you know why why see the rest of the movie, but I want to read the last um, two pages of my book and if anything, I hope it inspires somebody to, to go get it, uh, because this is really mine and Terry's heart today um, as, we, as we get to do what we get to do. The, um, it's a line that she came up with during COVID. She says she didn't make it up, 
but she doesn't know where it got it. So I'm, I'm believe it. I just tell her you made it up. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but it, she says it's, it's time to invest what you cannot keep into what you cannot lose. You were meant to climb. You were made to overcome challenges and to summit your dreams. However, when you get to the top of the mountain, you cannot stay there because you were also meant to leave a legacy. And that cannot be done if you stay on top mountains forever basking in the glories of your accomplishments. In order to leave a legacy, you need to come back down and you have to give it all away. All the work, all the wisdom, and all the resources. Remember, you were called according to his purpose. Mm -hmm. Your calling is to go out there, scale those mountains. Your purpose is to further God's kingdom and give it all away. So take stock in everything that cannot go with you when you leave this earth. Then make sure you invest whatever you cannot keep into what you cannot lose. People, children, churches, children, youth today are being so challenged with the things that are out there. The more we can step up and invest into that, the better. God has, has always been about people and he will always be about people. When you invest into people, the return on that investment is out of this world. It's eternal return. Sometimes we get to see those returns, like the person who makes a decision to follow Christ or the person who gets planted in a local church. But many times we sow into people, we don't get to see the return. And on that investment right away, or even here on this earth, but I guarantee that nothing done in the name of the Lord will be fruitless. Our legacy will be fully seen when you are in heaven. There will be people there thanking you for your life and influence people whom you never met, but because you've touched a life that touched another's life and that touched another, they will testify to you about the influence you had on their life change. So let's climb as followers of Jesus. Let's rope together and submit summit mountains. God has designed us to conquer. And as we do this, let's work united as a worldwide body of Christ and bring the lost and the hurting with us. As the global team church, let these be our tenets of the climb. We go together, not alone. We are undivided. We let the best idea win. We abandon smallness. We are undeterred by offense. We starts with me. We move church forward. Beautiful. Beautiful. So well written. Hey, if someone is listening and they're stirred in their spirit, they're seeing themselves in the pattern that you have provided. Paul said that to Timothy about considering his pattern. So that there's a pattern that we offer others on how to live and how to serve. Where would someone start? Um, tithing, <laughs> prayer, um, believe that God has everything for you, um, step out into that, don't hold back. We serve a God that more than ever needs people to stand up, put their hand up and say, I want to be that person, I want to be that conduit that you're going to use to funnel finances into the kingdom. Um, this book, I knew nobody 
I knew nobody that helped me write this book. I left high school reading and writing at the fifth grade level. Wow. I, to write a book is not me. I, I mean, you heard the way I just read. I just don't, I just don't read well. But it, it's, I said yes to God when he laid this book on my heart 15 years ago on wow. top of Mount Rainier. Oh, wow. I'd never walked on a hiking trail, and he helped me summit that mountain. So I said yes to writing this. He rallied a team around me that got me here wow. within three weeks of me saying yes. So God's, when I got, oh man, Brandon, now you got me down a whole nother trail here. When I got sober, he said to me, go pour it out, go flush those drugs. And I says, I've done that before. It doesn't work. And he says, you've never asked me for help. Mm. It's different this time. Mm. If you're out there and you haven't asked him for help, and you're trying to do this alone, give that up and just ask for help. He needs you as much as you need him at this point. Mm. This is hard times. Mm. Hey, we love you. Respect you. Thank you for sharing your heart. Thank you for your pattern. Thank you for the way you lift up our pastor's arms. We're so grateful for you. Thank you, Nicole, for being here today. God, God bless you guys. Well, I hope you received something valuable from this conversation today. If you have, I would encourage you to hit subscribe however you listen to this and plan to join us every Thursday morning this fall uh, for another important conversation. And if you'd find value in using this with your team, head to leadingsecond.com slash podcast for a free episode guide. We'd love to equip you to help your team in that way. Hey, Leading Second, we love you. We're thankful for each and every one of you. Until next time, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. God bless you. To find the episode guide, visit our website, leadingsecond.com forward slash podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at Leading Second and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook.